Hey everybody, welcome into the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm John, here talking about some of the most important issues of our day. Are you familiar with teeth, Nick? Teeth, yeah, teeth, yeah. I'm familiar with that. What if, instead of like 32 individual teeth, each row was just one tooth? Wouldn't that be better? I, no. No, that seems... I don't like that image in my head. So so the current... So the current system now, you got a whole bunch of individual ones, got to get in between them, floss them, all that sort of stuff. I propose long teeth, but just two of them. So then you just use that to gnash food instead of having all these tiny little individual ones that you have to get in between. I think it'd be a much better system. I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Plus, imagine a hockey player losing that tooth. It's not going to be pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you you could still like get fillings and stuff as stuff gets like knocked out and stuff. That that's that's covered. That's good to go. That doesn't have to change. But I just I I think we could eliminate the need to floss and frankly cut down the surface area that could decay by just switching to a long tooth system. I don't know if long to nope. No, I don't I don't agree with it. I prefer I like I actually do enjoy it. Well the that's what I plan to campaign on this fall. Oh, all right. Well, hey, listen, if my choice is long tooth or anything else, I think I'll go with you. Um seems like a better option these days. <laughs> uh so all right. Uh August is officially over. The calendar's flipping to September, and man, do we got a lot to get to uh this week. Uh, we're probably not going to get to everything that's on the sheet today, but uh, I'm happy that we delayed the recording of this because we got to come right out of the gate and talk about it. Uh, this news shook me, which is why we stalled, and that is that two-time Stanley Cup champion Carl Hagelin has retired after 11 seasons. That's why we stalled this recording, so that we could spend the episode so, so discussing Carl Hagelin. Emotionally. Yes. yes. Well, um, yeah, uh, let's just jump out of the gate because that was the last thing to break. Uh, Haglin retired. Thoughts about Carl Haglin's career there, John? I didn't prep you uh, for this. I, I was shocking a, you with this talk. Yeah, he, yeah, I, I know I saw it come, though, so you got me covered. You know I'm keeping track of those Michigan Wolverines. Uh, he had a de- decent handful of years of uh, mostly as a bottom six forward as uh, an exceptional penalty killer during the height of his career, though, maybe not necessarily with the Rangers. No. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, got to two Stanley cups uh, finals, one, one with the penguins. And of course the less said about the Rangers one, the better. Uh, but yeah, you, you probably knew him better than I did given that he was on your team, right? Yeah, I I used to love Carl Hagelin. He was, for better or worse, one of those casualties of playing really well, going to demand a certain amount of money, and in a cap era, sometimes you have those, yeah. oh crap, type of moments. And uh, the organization, uh, which was still run by then-general manager, um, Glenn Sather, in his last move, decided to move Haglin as opposed to moving maybe others to make room for him. Uh, we got Emerson Edom back and a second round pick that turned into nothing. And, you know, if you're like Emerson Edom, oh, well, he played for the Norfolk Admirals. Um, yeah, it's former Norfolk Admiral. Yeah, former... A great Puck Doku answer, too. Yeah, that's right. I, did, yeah, anyway, I think we Is interviewed that, I... him, right? Didn't we interview him? I think we did, yeah. Yeah, we got him, yeah, because there was a little bit of love to him. Uh, but Haglin was a good player. He was a solid bottom six guy. He was a difference maker to your lineup for, like, the things you said. He knew how to chip in a goal. He knew how to get the points. But it was all the other intangibles that we always talk about sometimes with bottom six guys. Of He could check. He could play defense, the penalty killing, making that a big part of his career to the those cup wins. So... Uh, yeah, he was a he was a solid player. It's a shame that his career comes to an end at 35 due to the eye injury. But listen, 
solid playing career, really going to be remembered. Uh, seemed like a really good locker room guy. I know when he was traded from the Rangers, there was some stuff. I saw the stuff when the, uh, the Penguins traded him. People openly wept in their locker room because he was gone. So, uh, yeah, Carl Hagman, you know, good guy. Swede's always popular yeah. in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right. Now that we got the Hagelin stuff out of the way, let's get into the big stuff. Uh, you, John, actually got to, like, rub elbows with some hockey legends, some greats, some Stanley Cup winners, yes. some Con Smite winners, some, I mean, how, wait, wait I'm, I'm sure some Selkies Selkie. were there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I went to a fundraiser uh, for the Jamie Daniels Foundation there in Detroit. Uh, Jamie Daniels, of course, the uh, late son of Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels, who overdosed on opiates. And uh, just amazing that they were able to take something that tragic and try to turn it into something positive. I feel like I would not do the same in that situation. I'd be very better and angry. Uh, but had a chance to attend a uh, fundraising dinner there for the roast and toast of Nick Lidstrom and Thomas Holmstrom. Uh, and just to tell you a few people, uh, Dylan Larkin was there. Alex DeBrinkett was there. Jeff Petrie was there. Uh, Chris Osgood, Chris Draper, Steve Ott. Uh, Steve Ott was like five feet away from me at one point. It was terrifying. Uh, and of course, Holmstrom and Lidstrom were there and just a really good nature, uh, chance to see, uh, them get up on stage telling stories about each other. Uh, sitting at my table, like two seats away from me, Red Wings assistant coach, Bob Bugner. That was neat. Um, ask me how many of these people I actually spoke to. Um, you ever just had like the worst panic attack of your life? Yeah. And have it come at a very inconvenient event like this? Like I, I couldn't do it, man. Oh man! Is I just I was lives Nicholas Nicholas Lindstrom. Don't don't even look, don't look at him. Don't don't make eye contact with him. That was that was kind of my <laughs> mantra throughout the night. That sucks. Is that they had they had. A, <laughs> That sucks. They had a bunch of the trophies there during this cocktail hour, like the Vesna trophies yeah. there, the Con Smythe was there. So you're just like walking once looking at these and then you turn around for a second and it's like, ah, oh, shit, there's Mickey Redmond. Oh, God. Uh, so I I almost dipped at where I just said this too much. I can't handle this. But I, I got through it. Had a lot of fun. But yeah. I'm not going to go talk to Nick Lidstrom. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to ask me? How is uh, the weather out there today? Huh? We're stuck in this heat dome yeah. right now. Huh? <laughs> um, oh, you're, you, you're from uh, Verstus, right? How's that compared to Stockholm exactly? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's probably something I would do. I would ask like some stupid deep cut, like be like, you know, that one time in this game at this time, you did this. What were you thinking? <laughs> But no, I watched a documentary once. You had an oatmeal. Now, yeah. why were you thinking of having oatmeal that day? Is that, is that kind of a thing that you do? Is that like a routine? Or is, uh, you know, <laughs> you don't have to have a hat trick that night. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that sounds like fun, though. That's, uh, that's a cool event, especially with uh, you being a Red Wings fan and getting to see so many greats and current Red Wings and coaches and all of that. That's a fun time. Uh, but going yeah, from, it was, it was really cool for a really good cause. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going from those legends to, uh, budding legends, uh, it finally Alexis happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to first round draft picks. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, made it official. Austin Matthews got that contract extension. It's done. We're not going to have a, a Johnny Goudreau situation here. Uh, the best player that the Leafs have had in a long time now locked up. Record-setting cap hit over the next four years, $13.25 million. He'll be in Toronto uh, at least till, until 2028. And Brad, 
tree living. Yeah, he got it done this time. So good on him. Uh, 25 tied for fifth in franchise history with 299 career goals, only 121 shy of Sandin. So he's going to have that spot inevitably by the time this contract comes to an end. Uh, overtakes McKinnon, McDavid for those highest uh, cap hits in the league. Apparently Matthews wanted more. Uh, he wanted like 16 million. So they were able to meet somewhere in the middle on the years and the money. Uh, yeah. Uh, great deal. Good for Toronto. Way to go. Uh, congratulations. You don't have to ride this out for the whole year. This doesn't turn into Goudreau or John Tavares or any of that again. Uh, so yeah, way to go. Good for Toronto. I like the deal. Uh, you knew he was going to make money. So he made money. Yeah, and and a little different from what you would typically see of a player this age. Uh, this is going to kick in uh, after this season. Uh, full no-move clause, but only lasting for four years. So mm-hmm. usually I feel like every single player you see come into this situation is getting, you know, the most term that they can get out of something like this to secure – you know, the longest number of years with the way uh, hockey is with guaranteed contracts. It makes a lot of sense financially. Uh, I'm not sure if this is teams getting smarter, saying we don't have to lock up players for eight years at every given opportunity. Uh, But Matthew's last contract was only five years as well. So I wonder how much of this is it's the team saying, yeah, let's just do four years. And how much of this is the player saying I can cash in again at a higher rate. Cause it's almost like LeBron does with his contract. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think, I think team, I think smart teams are getting wise with the, and with the cap going up as well. Uh, I think smart teams are getting wise on the, not doing the eight year deals anymore. Although, I don't know, maybe not, because the next team we're going to talk about, they're just handing out long-term contracts like it's uh, candy. Uh, you know, uh, it's ridiculous. But uh, but again, but that's a smart team as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, It's interesting that he took a year less, but I think also what? That puts him at about 30 for his next contract. So he's still prime of his career to cash in big on the next one and where the cap could be by then. Maybe he is finally a $20 million guy, which is what he should be making now. Yeah. And, and at that point, if, especially if they haven't won in Toronto, uh, at, at that point, it might make sense for him to turn around and say, look, we tried. Yeah. It's time for me to try to get this somewhere else sort of thing. Yeah, uh, it kind of, you know what, like this does remind me of like back in the day a little bit more where I feel like guys like, like back in the Lidstrom days, I feel like these were kind of more the contracts, like the three, four year, five year deals. So we were getting them at like, like when Joe Sackett became a free agent or why like Gretzky became available still in the prime of his career or Messier and guys like that, like because they weren't getting these long-term deals. So they were kind of getting these. So guys were being moved or hitting free agency at like 28, 29, 30, 31. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I like, I like, I like it, it does. It leaves room for him to say, I could leave in the prime. If we didn't get it done by then, chances are we might not. Who knows? Uh, I don't have to be a Maple Leaf for life if I don't want to be. Uh, you know, but just be careful because that could turn into getting snakes thrown at you the next time you come into town. You never know. <laughs> yeah, that that's and, and at, the, at the time, I want to say Tavares was like 31, 32 at the si- time that he signed his latest contract yeah. with Leafs. So I, I think the idea that we can bank on so many players to be really effective and worth the money until they're 40 years old. Isn't something that we can really stick to anymore. So as a result, I teams are starting to get to the point where they're 
going to adjust, but with a pending UFA like Matthews would have been, you can only go so far with him yeah. that, unless he's willing to sign for that amount of time. Exactly. So there's probably benefits on both sides on that. There is. Uh, and it does raise the question of what I think you asked it already. Uh, Marner, um, what his contract's now going to look like, because he's next up. Uh, and many people, you know, have been speculating with him whether or not he would be somebody that's kind of the odd man out and get traded or something like that. But, you know, so I'm curious to see where his deal goes, where this takes him as well. Yeah, and it's and it's clear that no one on this team is really taking a hometown discount, mm-hmm. so to speak. Or just the idea of maybe a little bit less than market value to make sure your team can remain competitive. So if you, what I think can easily end up happening is Marner probably still gets paid, but at that point, uh, UFA next season, William Nylander can just as easily turn around and say, okay, well, if you're, if you're only going to pay me, you know, seven million again, I can probably get more than that somewhere yeah. else. Well, I feel like Marner, to begin with, that last contract he got was a little bit of the hometown deal, right? Where it was like he took the less out of all of them, and like was like, sure, 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 but I'll take less because next time you're going to pay me. It, he did take less, but he took like a hundred k less than Tavares, so it. it it wasn't exactly bending over backwards for the team, if that yeah, makes sense. That does. That does. So, all right. Well, I, I Austin Matthews at least is locked up. Maple Leafs are pretty uh, heavy odds. <laughs> Sorry, Maple Leafs fans, but uh, high odds to uh, mm-hmm. win the cup. So, and having Austin Matthews locked up there for the next four years is always going to keep you in contention if you could just figure out a way to win in the postseason. Um, move it on to a yeah. team. And, and we talked about some of their additions already that yeah. kind of, we're not really sure what direction that'll take them, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, a team that always makes the playoffs and maybe I shouldn't rag on this contract. Uh, the Tampa Bay lightning have signed forward Brandon Hagel to an eight year deal, uh, value of 6.5 million. That contract begins in the 2024, 25 season. Eight-year contract, uh, but he's 24, had a career-high 30 goals, 34 assists, 81 games with Tampa last season. Uh, you might remember they acquired him from the Blackhawks last March. That included sending two first-round picks to Chicago. Uh, max contract for a 24-year-old. Do you like that? A lot of risk to that. Boy, there there is, and I think the rather than trying to think of the long term health of the team here, I think this is a situation where you kind of look at you know players that are aging out and say to yourself, "Well, you know, it, this won't be my problem in the fourth or fifth year." Hmm. Uh, so so you probably just did whatever you possibly could to keep the team together and give them another shot at this. Uh, Cause Sam coast is 33 years old and he's a UFA next year. And so he'll probably stick around, but for how much and how much longer is difficult to say. Uh, but you, you know, if it, if it gets them, if having him stick around past this year gets them to continue to be, you know, postseason contenders, then that's going to be great for them. And we've seen in the past they aren't necessarily afraid to cut bait with somebody, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like Killorn or Palat or somebody like that as they're bringing in younger, fresher legs. Uh, what It jumped out to me that he was making, he'll be the fourth highest paid forward on the team uh, after Samco's point and Kucherov. Uh, so I don't really think Brendan Hagel belongs in that conversation, but at this point, well, he's probably more of a value to, than Anthony Sorelli. Well, uh, maybe he does build a case for that because he projects. I, I, I think I think this age is well because he projects to be a top six forward, and he already lines up with Point and Kucherov 
which is why his numbers were pretty high. So you imagine if he continues to improve as a player at a young age, playing with them, it's only going to like, and with the cap going up, this could be, this could knock it out of the park, but it's also a 24 year old kid. And this could have been his best year. And he's really a bottom six guy that you're paying, you know, top six money to. Yeah. He is, he's definitely going to be someone to keep an eye on. Uh, no trade protection on yeah. that deal. I don't think though. So, uh, you know, if he, if it doesn't work out, I could easily see him or, uh, Anthony Sorelli being shipped out of town that way. All right. Moving on to the next restricted free agent that has uh, signed. The New York Rangers and forward Alexei Lafreniere have agreed to a two-year deal, which will carry an average annual value of $2.325 million, only $21. Restricted free agent, tallied a career high 39 points in 81 games last season. It's very, listen, uh, I can go on and on and on about this. Uh, the deal is fine. I have no issue with the deal. It's exactly what you would expect the bridge deal to be for a guy who has only played third line minutes, no power play time, and has been stuck in. Systems that don't seem to really benefit him with a lack of confidence and trust to give him an opportunity to even try uh, to grow. So it's fine deal. Just consistency is going to be the key to this contract for him. If he can be consistent and the guy that yep. we see who's able to make that cut move and deke out the goalie, you know, you saw it as a Red Wings fan. He's done it a couple of times, that move that he did against you guys that game. Uh, the move that that deep in the backhand. Uh, so yeah, like if he can consistently show flashes of that, he'll over exceed this deal and then he'll get paid in the next one. Nick, let's talk about Adam Oates. You close your eyes, you picture Adam Oates during his playing career. What jersey is he wearing? Boston Bruin, maybe St. Louis, maybe. Maybe bought yeah Boston. He was with the Caps for a really decent. I amount remember of time. the Caps for. A hot Do you remember second. who drafted? Do you remember who drafted Adam Oates? Oh gosh, it was Detroit. Oh, he was there for four years. They kind of gave up on him, and he goes on to. I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame, but he's definitely up there. Top player. <laughs> Uh, so a big part of those Bruins yeah, when teams you're, there with Cam Neely and that. Um, yeah. So, so when you're going to cut bait with a high, potentially really good forward, you you have to be absolutely certain. Uh, you know, there's there's histories of teams doing this. Martin Saint Louis was with the Flames before they cut him loose. Uh, there's. You know, we can go on and on with examples of this, but I feel like teams in general now are very hesitant to let go of somebody before they 100,000% know what he has the potential to live up to. And Mm -hmm. that when I look at the Lafreniere situation, I see a lot of that in it. Uh, In that sense, he has the opportunity to grow into something. Uh, but with the way it's standing right now, it's it's just not living up to that potential just yet. So I kind of like the idea of going into this and just saying, hey, here's, you know, we're hanging on to you, you're, but you've really got to show us something. And uh, if it doesn't work out after that point, then, you know, you kind of just sort of accept that he's going to be a third line player. Yeah. And I think it, I think it just comes down to. I think if he is able to get off of the third line this year and indication has seemed like uh, he's going to get opportunity now, like he's going to be looked at as somebody that could play top six minutes, but will get some form of at least power play two time where he's not even like getting it that at the moment. So 
giving him opportunities. Like it seems like he's going to get more of an opportunity uh, under this new regime coming in. And that's fine. That's great. Like, I'd love to see that because as of now, really, I don't know what I have with him if I'm the Rangers, because again, you see those flashes of, oh, that's why he was the consensus first overall pick. But then there's moments where you're like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? But I think it's because he's out. I think it's because you have him as a third line checker. He's not a checker. Like he's, he's a finesse player. He's a creator. He's a guy like that. He's yeah, he could play the body, but he's not dump and grind, dump and grind, dump and grind, dump and grind. That's not, he needs open ice. He needs the skate. He needs the flow. So I, I hope he gets shots with like Mika Zibanejad and that, but it probably won't happen. I hope too much, but it really is hard when you are the third winger on that depth chart there to, to crack the veterans. You got to crack, you got to be able to crack the veterans there. And, and are you really going to put him ahead of Kreider? I know I sent you uh, a fan, not even like a fan, one of the, like enough, like a Rangers podcast put together one of the, one of the good ones put together, like a hypothetical of, I would like to see these lines. And it was Kreider as the third, third liner. And I think that's perfect because I think it gives balance and depth and Kreider's the type of guy that can play a grind it corner game. Six and a half million is a lot for yeah, a third line player, yeah. but it, and it, yeah, it, it, it's a, it, it's a classic thing of, we haven't really seen it from Alexis Lafreniere just yet, but he also hasn't had that many opportunities. Like I feel like the, now we would have had a chance to really see something out of him on that level is if, you know, knocking on wood here, Kreider or uh, Panarin were injured for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. Because if you take some, take similar rookies there and take away their power play production, they would probably be on a similar level to Lafreniere. So the, so some of it's kind of, you know, the idea of, is he going to rise to that level when he has a chance on the power play or at the same time, is he just not going to be that useful to the Rangers if their left wing slots are already filled up? And that is, uh, and, but here's the other thing that makes it so difficult for the Rangers. He's 21. You got him for another two years. So 23, 24, at that point, he's going into his next contract. <laughs> Kreider at that point, I believe becomes like 35, 36. And is on the last year of his deal. Panarin's now in his 30s, but I think he's still got like two or three years left. So, you know, like, do you hold on to him and keep him as a third liner? But then that really does stunt his growth because at some point, the like, Kreider is not going to be your top six left winger at some point. He's just not. Like, this is this is why I can't wrap my head around the Ranger fans that can't grasp the cap situation that they're in because once they decided to re-sign Chris Kreider they put themselves in that position because you were going to always have a lot of money locked into a guy that you know can he even score 30 goals consistently no he had a 150 goal a year that's it he had one anomaly of a year one little blip otherwise he's consistently been like a 28 goal scorer not even a 30 goal scorer, but he's being paid like he's a 30 plus goal scorer. He lived up to that contract one year. That's all he's ever going to live up to. And I hate saying that because he's a good player. He's a very good ranger, but it's creating a weird situation. Yeah, he's he's not. He's yeah, he's not. But he's making a little bit. He's waking way too much. And it's it caused the situation of now Lafreniere is stuck in this spot. Your number one overall pick is stuck in this spot. He can't grow. You've got a guy there that like, and I get it. Kreider, you know, like Kreider indicated to the fans of it's not a full sell-off. We're, we're coming back. It's the quick rebuild, but that's why you're in this situation. That's why Lafreniere is making 2.325 million instead of potentially making Jack Hughes style money, which that whole meme that I saw out there, not even a meme where the people were like, 
uh, first overall pick, second deals. Look at Jack Hughes. Yeah, look at a guy that was playing 25 minutes a night, first line center, first line power play. Like, doing it all. He was it for New Jersey when he was drafted. Lafreniere was drafted, and it was like, oh, maybe they should have traded that pick. Take, do they really need another the left winger? <laughs> yeah, like, do do they really need another left winger? Should they trade down? Sh- what, what should they do? Oh, should they have even given Panarin that contract? Which is dumb as well, because Panarin's been the best player. So, I, it's, it's going to be, like, Lafreniere needs to exceed being a third-line player. And it needs to happen soon. Otherwise, he is going to end up being the Adam Oates of trade him away. And then when he blossoms somewhere else, people are going to go look at the Rangers unable to produce their draft picks while ignoring Keandre Miller and, you know, Braden Schneider and all the goalies and every every other Hall of Famer that they, you know, you, you just produced a Hall of Fame goalie and maybe another one. But, you know, you can't produce any of your draft picks. And, and and that's always been the knock on the Rangers that their uh, draft picks aren't necessarily work uh, super homegrown uh, talent. You know, most of the players that you see coming through there uh, that big names, you know, Scott Gomez, Mike Richards, Jacob Truba, Panarin, uh, the, you know, Kreider, all guys that come there through free agency or someone like Rick Nash that comes through trade uh but but i i feel like the only fair thing that you can do with a guy like alexis lafreniere is to compare him to who else could have been drafted at that spot and you know the the two players that have more points from him out of that draft that jump out right away are of course tim schutzel lucas raymond who are basically playing first line minutes in those situations so it kind of makes sense that they would have a lot more points having played a lot more minutes than him uh outside of that like dawson mercer kind of has a similar play style or uh point production but he he was drafted like 18th i want to say so like outside of that pretty much anyone else that they would have reached for first overall would have been a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it, it would have. And I've, I've sent it to you uh, a couple of times and I've mentioned it to you. I always forget where he falls on it. I don't have it. But for the New York Rangers, five on five goal scorers, he's one of the top three. Lafreniere is one of the top three. He's like sandwiched between Panarin and Kreider. Or Panarin and uh, Zibanejad, maybe. But either way, he's in that category. He's in that conversation of at five on five, Alexei Lafreniere has has just as many goals as Panarin, Zibanejad, and Kreider. Like he's in that category of, so imagine if he gets that little extra. Imagine if he plays top six minutes. You gotta, you gotta figure he's going to, but there is other aspects to his game that have gotten knocked and do deserve it, which is, he does go invisible sometimes. So the consistency of he needs to be seen at least every game. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, clearly at some point he's going to have a chance to show Peter Laviolette something. And if there was one guy that could figure out a way to get him going, it's probably going to be him. So he's in a good situation. Let's hope he can make the most of it here. Fingers crossed on that. So uh, that's all the signings and everything we got. Uh, so moving on, you wanted to talk about this, uh, and I think it's a great topic of conversation because with the playoffs and all of that and the divisions, uh, you wanted to discuss the Atlantic, and I was like, yeah, let's let's go for it because the Atlantic uh, really could shape up to be a quite interesting situation this year. Yeah, this could really be something worth watching as the season goes on, because I think it's safe to say that the Panthers are taking a little bit of a step back, uh, bringing in Dmitry Kulikov, Oliver ekman Larson, uh, guys that aren't necessarily going to uh, fill in with what they really need. Uh, 
combined with the fact that they are, you know, parting ways with Radko Gudis and Patrick Cornquist, uh, Alex Lyon, Mark, Mark Stahl, like there's, there definitely seems like this is going to be a team that takes a bit of a step back and they barely made the playoffs as it was. Meanwhile, the Boston Bruins end up losing Patrice Bergeron and uh, uh, David Krejci and plenty of, you know, talent departure there without anything to really fill it in, which no one probably realistically could. But regardless, uh, looking at that situation and seeing... These are two teams whose playoff status is probably a bit vulnerable. Makes you excited as a Red Wings fan. So you're saying, hey, if these teams are on the way down, our team's on the way up, they have a chance to really kind of jump in there. The issue, if you're a Red Wings fan, is that the Sabres and the Senators are both in that kind of situation as well. Uh, where, you know, they're younger teams that are on the rise, getting better. Buffalo didn't add a ton this offseason of, that should be of any consequence. Uh, they, they signed, you know, they signed Dustin Tokarski again for another year, and I'm mm. just shocked he's still playing, <laughs> uh, former Norfolk Admiral. But, yeah, so the, so the Senators, you know, they – tried to get an upgrading goaltending. Uh, they brought in Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, lost to Brinkett, but are probably in a better situation than most of them. So uh, what I keep looking at with this is out of those three teams, which two are best are in the best position to kind of take a playoff spot from the Panthers or the Bruins or both? Uh and, and just like the more I keep looking at it, the more I don't like Detroit's chances, if that makes sense. And so yeah. I kind of wanted that outside perspective to kind of look and see if I'm being overly pessimistic with that or if that's just a fair look at things. I think it's a fair look at things because I'm curious, which is the team that you think has the best? And because. I wrote down my three, like the order that mine are in, and the Wings are last, uh, and clearly a team that begins with an S is first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I really like where the Senators are. Uh, okay. it, it Just top to bottom, I, I think they probably have a, a, a much better chance of doing that than the Red Wings or potentially even the Sabres. Uh, the Sabres are going to be behind them, but just like if it becomes a naming game after a while with the Senators, right? Like they, they start yeah. with Tim Schutzel and Brady Kachuk. When, you know, Detroit's answer to that is Dylan Larkin and Lucas Raymond. Uh, it, it's just, that's not a winning situation. And as you go, you know, further through the lineup, you know, they added Jacob Chikrin. They're going to have Travis Hamanick, uh this year for uh, depth, uh, pairing there i don't think jonas corpusalo is an above average goalie but uh you know you have to be better than a 42 year old craig anderson that's not a very high bar to set so sure. as, as i try to look at it as objectively as possible the ottawa senators look like they could really do some damage this year uh yeah the senators can do some damage but i actually like the sabers uh, a little bit more. I like that situation. I think last year we saw a lot of fight with that team. Uh, not to say we didn't with the Sens because the Senators made a big push. Hell, they they made such a push that they went out and decided we're going to get Chikrin. Even if we don't make it this year, we have him for next year, and that's a sell. Yep. Uh, well, not even just next year, like the next four years, and that's a sell to people. Um, so... Yeah, the Senators are really set up good, but I just like the Sabres situation. I think for the Sabres, uh, they're going to have their rookie goalie. Uh, so I'm very, like, I'm just looking forward to, to what they have, and I think that that's a team that's could take that step, uh, and, and it's tough to play against. They're a rookie goalie. What's he called now? Oh, God, I forgot his, um, the, God, the one that made the debut. <laughs> oh, no, it's just. 
it's it's very difficult to pronounce. So I just want yeah. To take oh a yeah, yeah. The one the one that beat the Rangers in his first game. That's that's one of their top uh, top uh, prospects there. Uko Pekka Lukinen. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I just, and, and he seemed to be living up to the hype. So yeah, and and the other thing to keep in mind uh for them is uh as we talked about keeping that you know harem of goalies uh devin levi is 21 years old but he is really supposed to be the real deal Mm -hmm. so as far as you know having that uh goaltending depth there uh if something happens to eric Comrie, uh the sabers are going to be just fine yeah uh Compare that with just a monster of a blue line that they have between Rasmus Dahlin, Owen Power, yeah. uh, former first overall pick Eric Johnson. Don't see defensemen go first overall very often, but that is a tangent. Uh, so they, they they have a lot of really talent, maybe not as strong as a forward group, uh, but this is still the team that brought us Tage Thompson. So, you know, they're, they're built very differently than the Red Wings or the Senators, but that might be to their advantage in that sort of sense. So I, I just, the, the biggest thing I keep coming back to with the Red Wings is your best player is Dylan Larkin. And while, and he's, he's very much in the camp for me of being good, not great. Uh, and so as the Red Wings make all these sort of additions and, you know, bring in to and stuff like this, uh, these are all solid moves. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to overcome everything else. Yeah, it's 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 for me, Detroit, the uh, bring was a great addition, but there's still like just some holes to that lineup to the like to the defense. There's some holes there. Uh, to the bottom six, there's a, like there's just a little bit of like you. Maybe you linger enough where you know I, I could see it being a much better year where you could be trying to convince yourself at the deadline to be buyers. Uh, you know, but I, I think it's a team that's pieced together to try and get to the deadline to try yeah, the- and compete to then justify going out. Yeah, like, and the sense? thing I keep going back to is I was much more optimistic last year than I was this year. And last year, we were expecting a full season out of Jacob Verana and a full season out of Tyler Bertuzzi. And they didn't get any of that. So now they don't have that and, the- and aren't necessarily people you're going to expect to live up to that. So I just, I don't know. I want to believe. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's nice to believe. It's nice to believe. Um, but yeah, sorry. I, I think it's more savers. And you got the, and you, you think it's more sense. But yeah, it's, it's, we'll see what happens. I, I do. I think, I think the wings are built as a, if not this year, but it is get, but it's got to be getting frustrating as a wings fan of, if not this year, then when? Because you were sold a rebuild a while back now. And it seems like you just don't want to kind of take that next step. Like the brink, it was one of those, like, see, we're trying. Well, and, and that's the thing that they always said for rebuilds is for every team that can, you know, bounce back in three or four years, there's a Edmonton, there's an Arizona, there's a Buffalo, there's teams that just kind of took a really long time to kind of steer out of it. Uh, In Arizona's case, they still haven't steered out of it. Uh, so that's kind of what the Red Wings are becoming at this point. But, you know, there's only so much you can do for draft luck, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens with the Atlantic. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, like, there's a lot that could happen there. I really think the, like, you know, Toronto is pretty much the biggest lock. <laughs> I don't think Boston's as vulnerable as you think, but... Um, definitely going to be fun to see who battles out for that third spot. That's for sure. Uh, moving on, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, yeah, we, we learned a little bit about, uh, <coughs> the women's hockey league. Sorry. I don't know what's happening there. 
<laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful internet. Uh, yeah. So yeah. the Women's <laughs> Hockey League uh, announced the announced the six teams or not the six cities rather that they're going to be playing out of for the uh, coming inaugural season for the PWHL. Uh, we talked about that Boston and Minnesota were probably mm-hmm. locks for teams as well as Toronto and Montreal. Uh, they meant they're going to have a team in Ottawa and they're also going to have a team in the New York city area. Uh, couple things that comes to that. Uh, they haven't necessarily picked the team names or arenas or anything like that. And they did specifically mention that uh, teams may not play their home games in the, or every single home game in the same arena, which, Hey, however you can make it work, make it work. I don't know that that's going to be a big deal to it. What I was a little surprised to see was that the New York, <laughs> oh, uh, the New York City team is also going to include New Jersey and Connecticut. And yes. I don't know, it's always been made out to me like, you know, they're a hop, skip, and a jump away from each other. But still, like every time I hear about it, it sounds like, oh, we're a Columbus team, but we're also going to play games in Cleveland and Cincinnati. Uh, realistically, I know they're much closer together than that, but the they just feel like such different areas. And, and granted, I I will also confess that I heard Law and Order mention the tri-state area about fifty times before I figured out which three states were the tri-states. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like is everything with New Jersey and Connecticut really that close together that it's easy enough for them to hop around like that? Uh, as far as maybe like New York, like, all right, if you're centralized in the city and you're just only going to like Bridgeport, maybe that's what, like an hour and a half, like Stanford's only like, not even like an hour outside of the city. Cause that's why, uh, the WWE is set up in Stanford and used to do all their stuff at Madison square garden. So it was very easy. That was like a hop, skip and a jump away for them. Uh, if you're going into Jersey, then yeah, it's not too bad if you're going into Newark from the city, maybe like 25 minutes, no traffic, you know, tra- traffic is where you're going to get the kick in the, uh, in the gut with all of that. But yeah, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see them kind of bounce around a little bit if they're doing, you know, showcase events at different arenas and stuff like that. I don't think the league is at the point where you have to worry about necessarily building a fan base that's going to follow you to every single game and having, you know, that being difficult. Uh, like you said, ask the Islanders or maybe even the Coyotes to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's going to be exciting to see everything kind of come together. And I'm looking forward to hearing what the team names are going to be if they hang on to some of the previous ones with the Minnesota Whitecaps or the Boston Buttes or if they go to kind of make their own uh, – their own legacy there yeah yeah it's gonna be fun to watch i'm i'm, I'm actually excited for it uh, i'm curious to see where this goes uh it was cool to get some info on it for sure because we've talked about it we're 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 we've been supporters of the women need their own league and it would be kind of cool to have that and the nhl and we, we, hockey needs that you know nba or wnba exists so you know we need we need a women's hockey league it's about time so i'm excited for that uh for sure all right um anything for leftovers anything else that you want to hit right now or did we talk about jonathan taves last week we did not okay what was your reaction to that because i have thoughts and feelings certainly but Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's wrap up with let's wrap up uh, with Jonathan Taves. Um, all right. So if you don't know Jonathan Taves, uh, we figured either was going to just keep playing or retire from hockey, uh, but instead he says that he's taking time away from hockey in the twenty three twenty four season, but is not retiring. He posted that on social media. Um, 
he only played 53 games last year, missing several uh, due to uh, weeks as he recovered from long COVID and chronic immune response syndrome. Uh, we knew he wasn't going to resign with the Blackhawks. That was part of as well with the Patrick Kane stuff and why he left. I think this is weird. Uh, I don't get it because at this point, like, I, I figured if, uh, like, maybe he does just come back this year and this is kind of a lie and he's just going to ride it out and kind of pick where he wants to go. But I don't see how this ever goes well to step away from hockey for a year and then think you can come back and perform at the level that you were at that point, you'll be 36, 37. Yeah. And Jonathan Taves has had a litany of health issues, yeah. uh, especially at the later stage of his career here. Uh, so taking a year off might, you know, help for something like that. Uh, you can ask Ryan Kessler how that has uh, worked out. Uh, spoiler alert, it hasn't. Uh, there's been players that have, you know, taken that route where they needed to take a year off in that sort of sense. Uh, if you look at uh, just off the top of my head, obviously Mario Lemieux is the real big one who took a year off because of that whole, you know, cancer treatment thing. Uh, but, you know, Michael Pekka <coughs> did it. Alexi Yashin did it. Uh, they, you know, didn't go play somewhere else for a year, just didn't play at all for a year and were able to come back and have a few uh, additional years after that. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were a lot younger than Taves was, or Taves is, I should say, when they went to do it. So it's questionable. I don't, I also just at a certain point, like he has nothing left to prove. Like yeah. we, he's played over a thousand games, three Stanley cups, con smite. Like we, we all know he's going to be a hall of famer here, regard, regardless of whether or not, you know, he traditionally would be considered such a thing. I was uh, just going to ask you, do you think he's a sure ballot hall of famer? Like, is he a first ballot or well, is he maybe like a second or something? Well, you know, a Mark Messier leadership to, uh, trophy winner has to be a hall of famer, right? That's just how <laughs> the two are tied together. Uh, but no, I, I see like they were talking about this a little bit and, you know, really hasn't had a ton of points. Hasn't been, you know, a super effective player uh, since, you know, the middle of his career. Uh, but I think he accomplished so much in a short period of time there, especially captaining those teams too. I think that gets him first ballot Hall of Fame yeah. status, uh, deservedly so, I would say. Despite, uh, you know, other places have kind of pointed out, you know, different things to him, which, you know, but at a certain point, it's not the Hall of Stats, it's not the Hall of Points, it's the Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, agreed, agreed. And yeah, I think, I yeah, he's just, he racked up so much winning those two Cups, ending that drought as well there, like, he's going, he's going in. Um, all right, uh, that's all I really got. Uh, you don't want to go into depth about Edmonton signing Sam Gagne and Brandon Sutter? I mean, we could. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I could have some I thoughts have if you want. If you want thoughts, I could have some thoughts. <laughs> I, I don't have a ton to say about it. I yeah. was shocked Brandon Sutter is still playing, frankly. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's another great Puck Doku answer, too. Have you played that? Puck Doku? Yeah. Uh, okay. The, this could. This will be a great way to end a show or a terrible way to oh end God, a show. This is going to be. Uh, but I want you to go to a little place, Pucku, <laughs> p u c k d o k u dot com. All right. Let me do this. And uh, this is known to other places as the Immaculate Grid, but it's going to give you uh, a team in each row or a condition in each row. Uh, and expect you to be able to come up with a player that's going to fill out all nine squares here. Oh, God. And if, yeah, if I walk you through it, all right. Do you think you can? All right. Let, let's do this. I've got, let, let's go. Okay. All right. I got my teams. All right. So let's start in the top left. When you are thinking of people that played for the red, played, 
not, you know, had contracts signed through, but played for the Red Wings and the Coyotes. Who have you got? The Red Wings and the Coyotes. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, Red Wings and the Coyotes. That is a great question. Because anytime I think the Coyotes, all I think is Shane Doan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, now, oh. okay. So, so wait, this is, wait. Th- that brings up. No, what's that? No, I don't think that goalie played for. Yeah. Th- this is the absolutely fun, most fun part of this is just the exercise of remembering some guys. Yeah. And uh, here I am on, uh, this is like the fourth show I've done of the day. <laughs> on the tail end of like oh after this i finally can eat dinner at okay. 10 o'clock at night <laughs> okay so, so so i'm gonna walk you through the top answers for him and okay. see if you can get it with enough hints that'll be okay that'll yeah, be yeah. give me fun. some hints uh so the top answer for so for a guy that played for the red wings and the coyotes uh, also played in St. Louis. Uh, he was a pretty high goal scorer. Uh, had an uncle that thought uh, Hitler had some good ideas. Oh, oh, oh. Now I'm just thinking Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Brett Hull is was, was my oh answer my for gosh, that. Gosh, that's a great. That is a yeah, great yeah, pick. That's why I say it makes you remember some guys. That is a very good pick. All right. Uh, let's just go across the top here. Uh, so next, if we're thinking of players that played for both L.A. and for Detroit. This should be a um, bit, This should be easier. I want to say like Luke Robitaille. Yes, that was the top one right off the top of your head. Um other other player uh that would have met really well uh scored a goal in LA and started doing push-ups on the ice Sean Avery oh how That's did I not guy. think of Avery right there as well Dude, I didn't think of it either yeah, I did some sloppy second stuff on my part that I didn't even think of him first yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so, so this one becomes a little bit easier uh, if you had to name a Red Wings goalie that had 20-plus wins in a single season. <laughs> you know what? Uh, just to be a prick, I should do like, although I don't know if any Jockerman actually ever won 20-plus games, but um, <laughs> I mean, make the pick, right? Vernon, Osgood, Hashik, like. Yeah, yeah, plenty, plenty of yeah. options there. I, I try to see how low I can get the score as far as like uh like how many other people picked it so i did curtis joseph and that ended up like two percent and i felt like a real smart guy there uh next row and for people picturing it just kind of going through oh how about that i just learned eddie jockerman never won 20 plus games with the red wings when he was there yeah yeah it's during that uh period of time i I don't necessarily blame him for that. No. Uh, oh, if we're doing on. Minnesota Wild and Arizona Coyotes. Wild Coyotes, Wild Coyotes, Wild Coyotes. I'm trying to think here. Uh, top answer <laughs> here recently uh, got arrested, had some rumors about going to the KHL. Has a strange foreign sounding name, even though he's from Wisconsin. Oh my gosh. The coyotes thing. Ah, The the coyotes thing makes it really hard. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing to keep in mind for it is that it does it so that the franchise follows them. So if someone played for the old school Winnipeg Jets, that counts as well. Oh hell! Oh uh, shit! Yeah, but uh, probably most surprising answer that I saw come up here was Ilya Bruzgalov. Oh who, yeah! Now that it gets mentioned, I remember played for the Wild, but I just in my head <laughs> I cannot picture that yeah. as a possibility. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving down confused. the list here. Minnesota and Los Angeles Kings. Mm. Minnesota and the Kings. Uh, 
know that there's definitely some crossover there as well. God, who would... So, two uh, answers that had or two players that had really high answers. One was a more recent trade that happened last off season, a scoring winger that went from Minnesota to LA. Hmm. I'm thinking Kevin Fiala. Uh, the other one is a former New York Ranger uh, that won the cup in LA and had previously played for Minnesota. So they can be separated by a little bit too. Also played in Columbus. Former Ranger. Oh, gosh. Had a picture on the beach wearing a Speedo with the cup. <laughs> Marion Gabryk. Oh, yes. That's my answer there. Uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of other ones that came up, but Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper played for the Wild, the Kings, and the Coyotes, so he could have worked for either of those two as well. Uh but not to spoil the next one, but uh, Minnesota goalie with 20-plus wins in a season. Ilya. No, Ilya did not win. He was he was in the backup portion of his career by the time he got um, there. Oh, God. Who's the one that got him? Who's there now? <laughs> uh, Marc-Andre Mark Fleury and Devin Dubnik. There you go, Fleury. Yeah, either one of them yeah. would have done that as well. I said Josh Harding, but surprisingly, he did not win 20 in a year either. Oh, so yeah. it's not quite as simple. Uh, last row here, uh, Vancouver Canucks, Arizona Coyotes. Oh, man, Canucks, Coyotes. Uh, I, I, I Really, honestly, the Coyotes thing just stumps me because I honestly yeah. just cannot think of anybody that has played on that team. Can you think of a really good defenseman for that team that maybe isn't such a good defenseman anymore? From the Coyotes? Yeah. Hyphenated last name. Uh, Larson? Ekman Larson? Yeah, Oliver Ekman Larson. It's not hi- actually hyphenated. That's my mistake. But there, there's uh, that's checking that one off there for you. How about uh, Vancouver and LA Kings? Vancouver and the Kings. I feel like there's got to probably be a few crossovers. Uh, top answer was a defenseman. Uh, I want to say he won the cup with LA a couple times, but I might be wrong there. Uh, but he was a big, strong presence for the. Uh, cup final team in 11 as well yeah i was it's funny because it's funny you went with defenseman because in my head i was like i i feel like the most famous one is a defenseman yeah i'm trying to place who it is uh, yeah doesn't it it doesn't drive i've literally had times where i've just looked stared at it for 30 minutes trying to think of a player yeah and sometimes sometimes the most random players come to me for answers like do you remember vernon fiddler no yeah i don't know why he popped up in my head but he was an answer to like nashville minnesota i want to say one day and I felt very smart for remembering him. Uh, either way, Alexander Edler is who I was thinking of as the most common answer for a defenseman here. Uh, but it, there's a couple other options there. You know, Tyler Toffoli would have qualified it. But uh, surprisingly, Felix Potvin played for both of them. Oh. And I don't remember that at all. But you, you, that, you can really reach back and come up with, like, really random players That's wild. to f- fulfill it. Uh, when it doesn't involve the Coyotes, at least. <laughs> Last one, Vancouver goalie, 20-plus wins in a season. Oh, well, that's obviously Roberto Luongo. Yes, Roberto Luongo was 30% of the answers there. Uh, Corey Schneider, Thatcher Demko, Jacob Markstrom, all popular. And then Ryan Miller, who I totally forgot played for Vancouver as well. He would He would have been a good one. But yeah. Puck Doku, either fantastic radio or terrible radio, but probably nothing. No, that was actually really fun. Uh, (laughs) 
All right. Great way to end the episode. Thank you, John, for introducing me to yeah, something that's going to distract me at work now. <laughs> uh, it comes out every day at 3 a.m. Great. Wonderful. Not, not that I do it first thing in the morning. Yeah, that's that's actually going to be my morning poop now. I'm going to be on there doing that. <laughs> Forget TikTok. Um, all right, John, uh, hit him with the plugs on the way out. Uh, you can find me on X, Twitter. Are they changing it back? Are they not know. changing it back? We don't know. Uh, at uh, JT Evans, number zero. And uh, I am still Wonderful underscore radio on X. Home, give it to you. And I am Nick Wonderful on threads. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. <laughs>